0: Hello, let's go for a ride. Here we are, ninth story. You're listening to Channel 9 of the SDRY Radio Network, where stories live. We can't help it. Even when we know we won't like what we're going to see, we have to look into the dark. It's the same thing that makes you shine the flashlight under the bed as a child knowing the monster waits with dripping fangs and red, hungry eyes. The difference when I shine my flashlight into the trunk is that there really is something in there I don't want to see. I steel myself for the worst and jump a little when my light falls on the face of the man in the trunk. I knew I was going to see something like this, but you're never prepared for the reality. I look into those vacant, dead eyes for a long moment. It's said that the body is simply a vessel, and the eyes are the window to the soul. These windows are wide open, and I can see clearly that this particular vessel is definitely empty. There's a small red hole in the center of his forehead, and his face is fixed with a look of mild surprise and defiance, as if he was giving his tormentor his best fight, and he didn't have time to be fully shocked when he heard the weapon go off. I shine the light around and look the man over. There are heavy red marks on his wrists and dark bruises on his pale, clean-shaven face. He's twisted in a very unnatural position, but the most surprising thing is that he's in his underwear. It takes a moment for this to register, but when it does, I flick the light back over him and crickle my brow, wondering what this means and feeling a mild tickle in my temple. There's something about this that feels like a memory, but I can't quite grasp it tight enough to bring it to the surface for a closer look. What is it that I know about this? Why is he stripped down to socks, tank top, and boxers? And why does his face look familiar? I'm pondering these questions when the car shifts again, and I hear the cop call out from the front seat. Hey. Help me out here. Get me loose. He sounds confused and groggy, but there's definitely fear in there too now. I stand and tuck the flashlight under my arm and move toward the voice. It's difficult though. The water is now just below my kneecaps and it's cold and moving fast. I feel my feet trying to slip out from under me. And I realize it's not just the car that the torrent of icy water is trying to whip away, but the very road is starting to become unstable. I feel a chunk of asphalt slide out from under my foot, but I hold on to the cruiser and manage to keep my footing, but just barely. The cop calls out again. This time he sounds more alert and panicked. Hey, can anyone hear me? I'm stuck in here. I reach the passenger side window and kneel down to look in. Who's the guy in the trunk? He turns and looks at me, his eyes wide and white, his lower lip trembling. What? The guy in the trunk. The body. Who is it? He stares at me as if I just offered him a cup of coffee and a jelly donut while he's hanging upside down in a flooding car that's threatening to be washed away into the night. You can't do this. You gotta get me out of here. I want to know who's in the trunk. And while I'm starting to suspect I have an idea about who it is, not all the pieces fit together. If I'm going to get answers, I'm going to have to get him free. I reach into my pocket and come out with the cop's keys. You stole those from me. He sounds at the same time offended, surprised, and confused. I say nothing and instead kneel down and worm my way back into the car. It's not as easy this time because the water is deeper, but I manage to get under him. There's a small pocket knife on the chain. I flip it open and pause for a moment, wondering what he'll do once I free him. Hold still, I tell him. I grab a handful of seatbelt, slip the knife under it, and saw back and forth. The little knife is surprisingly sharp, and it takes just a few seconds before the driver falls and splashes face first into the water. I fall back and worm my way out, then reach back in for the officer. I feel his large hand grip my wrist and grip down tight. I grunt at the pain and call out to him. Hey buddy, I I know you're popping with adrenaline right now, but you got to loosen your grip a bit. You're going to break my wrist. The grip gets even tighter, and I swear I'm going to hear a popping noise in a moment. Then he's pulling on me, yanking me back into the car. I'm not expecting this one so it happens fast. I feel a strong hand pushing my face down and holding me there. It's in that moment that what I saw in the trunk makes sense and a tiny sliver of my memory pops back into place. Then midnight starts to flow in from all directions and I'm looking at things through pinholes. I struggle and flail against him, but even this starts to feel distant and pointless. I'm vaguely aware that I should be worried about what's happening, but I just can't seem to understand why. I realize that there's something hard and metallic in my hand. And right before I pass out again, I lift that hand up as fast as I can. You've just listened to episode 4 of The Ride, a Hicks and Fabulous production. Listen next week for more.